Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Well, I'm halfway through talking about one of the most important aspects of Jesus' life, his role as the Saviour. Saviour was a title given to him at birth. It's also what the name Jesus means. It means the Lord saves. More than that, Jesus summed up his whole ministry in the words of Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. But there's no question the Saviour theme reaches its climax in the Gospel's account of Jesus' death on a cross. Given the prominence of the saving theme throughout the Gospels, it's no wonder that when Jesus is eventually tried and sentenced to death, the claim to be able to save others would be turned around as an insult. What kind of saviour, said his enemies, is unable to save himself? Luke's gospel records how Jesus was mocked at the site of his crucifixion, a kilometre outside Jerusalem city. Let me read from Luke 23, verse 35. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. First the religious rulers, then the Roman soldiers... And then one of the criminals crucified alongside Jesus, all of them draw attention to the irony of this situation. The one who claimed to be able to save others from the coming judgment of God couldn't even save himself from the punishment of Rome. Now you have to remember that crucifixion was regarded as the most shameful of all deaths. Of the three main methods of executing people in the ancient world, that's decapitation, uh, burning and crucifixion, crucifixion was regarded as the most severe. Um, Roman citizens were officially exempt from ever undergoing it. The Roman philosopher Seneca, who was born about the time of Jesus and died around the time of the Apostle Paul, described the fate of crucifixion in this way. Can anyone be found who would prefer wasting away in pain, dying limb by limb, or letting out his life drop by drop, rather than expiring once for all? Can any man be found willing to be fastened to the accursed tree, long, sickly, already deformed, swelling with ugly welts on shoulders and chest, and drawing the breath of life amid long-drawn-out agony? He would have many excuses for dying, even before mounting the cross. Well, you can see the dilemma faced by the first Christians, can't you? As they tried to convince the Roman world that a crucified man was actually the Lord and Saviour of the world. The fact that they pulled it off is an even greater historical puzzle. But what many saw as a shameful failure, paradoxically, was viewed as a beautiful victory by those who really knew what Jesus was on about. It was precisely in not saving himself from the cross that Jesus became the saviour of the world. In a twist of outcomes that can only be seen through the lens of Jesus' teaching, 
Sinners could be saved from God's judgment only because the Saviour on the cross bore that judgment himself. According to Luke's Gospel, at least one person who was there that day Jesus was crucified spotted this paradox. Hearing the mockery of the leaders and the soldiers and the first criminal, a second criminal, himself crucified next to Jesus, rebuked the first criminal and then turned to Jesus as Saviour. Let me read from Luke 23, verse 40. But the other criminal rebuked him. That's the first criminal. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. For as long as I've known the Gospels, I've loved these words. There's no religion here. No complex theology, just this simple admission of unworthiness and a daring request for mercy. Now, I have no idea how this criminal came to believe in that moment that Jesus possessed a kingdom. Um, Jesus certainly wouldn't have looked very royal at that moment. He was naked, bleeding and dying. But however he worked it out, this criminal saw what everyone else missed. Not saving himself was exactly how Jesus could save others. And in that perceptive moment, he received one of the clearest promises of salvation in the whole Bible. Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. If you have ever doubted that Jesus' death on the cross was enough to win you God's forgiveness, to cancel your judgment, to guarantee you a place in God's kingdom, Jesus' promise to this dying sinner should be ample proof. Jesus is the saviour of everyone who humbly trusts him. Last night, I told you about Samuel Payton. Payton was a convict on the First Fleet, and about six months into his time in Sydney, he was caught trying to steal some clothes from an officer's tent. Um, he was quickly tried and sentenced and hanged. But the night before his hanging, he wrote to his mum back in England and he admitted his faults and expressed his deep repentance. Um, he also spoke of his hope in Jesus as the saviour. Now, I read most of the letter to you last night, but let me just quote one line of it, because it captures beautifully the theme I'm talking about tonight. Here's the young Samuel Payton to his mum the night before his death. Encouraged by the promises of that Saviour who died for us all, I trust to receive that mercy in the world to come, which my offences have deprived me of in this. Well, Samuel Payton's hanging is mentioned in several journals at the time. It was a cold, wet and squally June day. 
at 11.30am, the 21-year-old mounted the gallows and made what one witness describes as an eloquent and well-directed speech, in which he admitted his guilt and asked forgiveness from those he had wronged. He died penitent, wrote another witness there that day. Christians would say he died in the embrace of the Saviour. See, Christianity has always declared that Jesus died for petty thieves like Samuel Payton, for Jewish rebels like the man crucified with Jesus, for neglectful materialists, for thankless atheists, for the morally self-righteous, and even for the smugly religious. For any who sincerely turn back to God, Jesus is the Saviour who died for us all. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.